Hey everybody and welcome. In this conversation today, we have some of India's top game industry leaders. From Manish Agarwal, CEO of Nazara, which recently went public, to Amit Hardy, CEO of Nukebox, another successful local Indian games company, to Saloni Sigal, who recently started a venture capital firm Lumikai, focused on investing in the Indian gaming market. And finally, Anuj Tandon, who heads Corp Dev in India for Crafton, the makers of PUBG. The focus of the conversation oriented around India as a game development ecosystem. We talk about things like what's keeping India from becoming the next China or Turkey, what are the strengths of the Indian game dev scene, and how do we accelerate the local Indian gaming market. This was the first of five sessions from the India Free-to-Play Gaming Conference, so be sure to check this out as well as some of the other sessions. More info in the show notes. Welcome to the Game Makers channel, and be sure to subscribe to this channel for more content on free-to-play game development topics. Welcome everyone to this inaugural India Free-to-Play Gaming Conference. We actually have, in my opinion, a really, really exciting set of sessions planned for you, starting with this panel on essentially how India becomes a world leader in free-to-play gaming. And you can also, for folks on YouTube, you can check the show notes to see the overall agenda, but we do have five panels planned. But in any case, I think we could go ahead and kind of getting started with maybe introductions of our panel members here with us. But I thought we could start first with Manish Agarwal, CEO of Nazara. Manish, I know you're pretty famous already, but it'd be great if you could talk to us a little bit about your background. Hi, hi, Joseph. Thanks for having me here. Uh, good morning, everyone who's listening, tuning in from India. Good evening from US and rest of the time. Uh, so guys, uh, came into gaming a decade back or more than that. Uh, happened by serendipity. I don't claim that I was a gamer in my childhood. I have not have any fancy stories about playing Xbox or console and playing uh, on those games and saying that I was born to build a gaming company. No, uh, I have a very, very standard boring past of doing my engineering MBA, trying to build businesses and gaming happened serendipity and then it hooked me forever. Uh, so yes, I'm hooked in love in, in making businesses based on gaming. Uh, five years back, I would say I, would, I had loved making games, but last five years had super busy in trying to just build businesses around gaming. And uh, yeah, I would love to go back in designing games, which is my first love, but don't get much time. So that's it from me. Over back to you, Joseph. All right. And maybe next in terms of alphabetical order, we can go with Amit Hardy, CEO of Nukebox. Amit? Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having us here. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, so I go back about 10 years like Manish uh, Games, and and we've been you know doing or dabbling with multiple ideas since a long time now. And uh, uh, I think for us, uh, I think the success, or let's put it this way, I think for us, it, it all began with the success of Food Truck Chef, which was uh, one of our claim to fame. And from then on, we've been, you know, uh, working with multiple free-to-play games. And uh, we followed up that with uh, SpongeBob, Krusty Cook-Off. And uh, we've been working on multiple such games and ideas. And we're looking forward to uh, make a dent in the global market, which is our primary focus. And... Uh, yeah, so so that's where we stand. Okay, great. And then Saloni? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so, hi guys, I'm Saloni. I'm the general partner at Lumikai. We're India's first uh, dedicated gaming and interactive media VC. Um, I've been fortunate uh, to see the industry, at least the gaming industry, for pretty much the last 15 years. And from all sides of the table, I've been an investor, I've been a founder, and I've been an M&A banker. So prior to this, I was with a fund called London Venture Partners, which is uh, the fund which essentially pioneered investing in games and interactive. Uh, before I transitioned to LVP, I was the CEO and co-founder of Truly Social, which was a venture-backed gaming studio building immersive social worlds for female audiences. Um, and then I spent the first six, seven years of my life in investment banking and private equity uh, with over $10 billion of M&A experience. So, yeah, I've been uh, I'm super excited now to be in the India market. And it's uh, it's been really great to see it from, from all perspectives. Right. And finally, Anuj. Just in time, Anuj. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Hey, sorry about that. No problem. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, been in the industry now for last 11 years. Uh, again, worn multiple hats. First as a, a co-founder of a gaming studio back in 2010 uh, when, when you know, evangelizing the Indian market was a sort of a dream. <laughs> so uh, made, uh, made games for the global audience as a, as a startup founder for five and a half, six years. Uh, then uh, joined Nazara for a year, uh, then as a CXO for Yuzu, and now heading Cobb Dev and investments for Crafton uh, in India and Mina. So yeah, varied roles, been a proponent of Indian gaming industry for quite some time. All right. Thank you, uh, panelists. And uh, so I thought we could go ahead and jump right in with my first question really being around what's missing. And so India, at least in Saloni, I, no I noticed that you mentioned a few games that are starting to drive into the top grossing. But when we think about like global top grossing or top three globally, there seems like a lot of promise. And I know we've had recent successes like with Manish and, and Nazara, but you know, in terms of the industry here, it does still seem to be a lot focused around live ops of mature games from whether it's Zynga, Glue, GSN, and other mobile companies like that. And in terms of other geographies, what we've seen is, for example, in China and Turkey, we've seen like this burgeoning developer community starting to emerge that have started to become very powerful with companies like whether it's you know, Fun Plus, Lilith, MiHoYo in China, or Peak, and now Dream Games, and kind of like these companies emerging in Turkey. And so when you guys think about India and some of the companies that are starting to merge in India, or maybe some of the ecosystem or infrastructure that's not quite developed there yet, could you talk about what is missing? What would it take for India's ecosystem to be further developed such that we would have a much more vibrant and much more kind of powerful or successful set of games coming from Indian developers. And I don't know if anyone wants to jump in. Otherwise, maybe I can call on someone like Manish, since you're, since you're recently public, maybe you could start. So Joseph, I, I, it's been in Nope since 2009. Mm -hmm. uh, we have been saying that India has an amazing potential. And we are in 2021 when he is still discussing what is missing. And, and therein lies the whole story, right? Uh, it's a story of on and any any market to grow, uh, ecosystem to grow. From a developer, you need to have a large domestic market if that is possible. Otherwise, an access to capital for you to experiment in the global market, right? Uh, and these are the two ingredients 
which combined with the third apex is the skill sets, the experience, uh, which one learns, either you can learn through intuitive experimentation like Anuj was doing in 2010, sheer passion, great determination to really make something out of it. Amit has been at it for last decade and so. Uh, now, if you have, if you, you compare the external markets with India market, our history of really playing games, working on those hardcore, midcore games, working on meta design, uh, it is it is all happening in in last two three years. So our history is very 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 new and nascent versus a 40 50 year old history in China, Korea, Japan, US, uh, which is coming from PC console based games where you had already whether in East you had a premium design on PC, or you have a very amazing kind of game designs happening on 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 the on the UK based studios forever. So I think the beauty of our market is that. With the infrastructure issues getting solved, with the domestic market really becoming promise, and more and more exits happening in this market, which is what you alluded to, Turkey. If you see pre-peak games exit and the post-peak games exit, it has been a sea change. The acceleration and development of the ecosystem in Turkey and the exits, therefore, have been mind-boggling. And we have seen in India whether you have SaaS companies coming out of very successful SaaS companies or e-commerce companies coming out of e-commerce companies. Similar thing is going to happen with exits like Play Simple, Moonfrog, Nazara, and many more to come. You will see many, many entrepreneurs coming out of these companies and trying to create their own gaming companies uh, because they have gone through, they have seen the scaling, they have know what it takes. Investors who are jittery are now, Saloni is coming in with a dedicated gaming fund and many more investors are okay to really say that, yes, we will take that leap of faith. So I think capital is now coming in. The talent pool is being developed. Domestic market is happening. And the boundaries of global are getting blurred. So all of that ingredients, which were kind of a handicap for us, somebody sitting in India, are getting sorted. So maybe I would say that at two, three, four years, the statement of Indian IPs becoming powerful four, five years uh, and becoming should get sorted. It's a journey which we all know that uh, if you are building for domestic market, uh, we are not China. You have to really compete with the global games quality of the sheer game animation as well as the game design has to be at, at those, that far for a mid-core, hardcore gamer. And I think that's where the skill set improvement will happen here. Uh, so it, it is a combination of our, our nascent history in gaming, which is what is leading to all misses. Uh, but the future is super bright. Right. Yeah. Joseph, I'll, I'll just uh, follow up with what Manish said. I think he has just laid a very good foundation of, you know, not ha having an Indian uh, gaming, not having a sort of a history, which all these other, you know, mature markets like China, Korea, all had. I think it's more of a philosophical question as well. Uh, we don't have an identity of the market. It's still being established. We don't yet know how the market is shaping up. Are we a real money gaming market primarily? Are we a casual, hyper-casual gaming market? Are we a, a DAU farm for global gaming uh, companies? So we're sort of jostling with a lot of uh, moving pieces, so to say, and uh, we're still not found an identity of the market. What is the Indian gaming market uh, sort of going? I... I 
echo the statement of manish you know the local ip will drive a lot of uh, the uh, you know giving the identity to the market it will take some time but yes we are on that track uh, it will it, it's still a little immature uh, development ecosystem at a large uh, level but yeah things are changing rapidly so yeah um yeah you know i think uh, i i've tracked the both the global markets and the india market for for a long time and you know i think what we look at were markers and you know it's very interesting all of us have talked about china and turkey and if you look at inflection markers that happened in china let's say between 2004 and 2007 it very closely relates to how the indian market has 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 played out in 2004 it will be very surprised but foreign games accounted for more than 80% of china's available game titles and 70% of domestic revenue in fact the top grossing titles in china at that point of time were south korean and taiwanese titles in fact china and if you look back at gaming reports which were listed in 2004 2005 everybody used to talk about china just being a licensor market and you know it's never going to make its own original ip and you know or there was talent strapped and uh, payment infrastructure was not developed etc so all of those discussions that you know manish has just talked about were everything that happened in china back in 2004 and then by 2007 the market shifted so quickly that 60% of chinese revenue of from gaming was coming from domestic titles and in in a decade china accounted for one fourth of global gaming revenues generating 30 billion dollars even overtaking the us so i think when we trace the market we we kind of look at inflection points and as inflection points one is a great inflection point is talent ecosystem right when you have exits happening you have um, any pool of talent which will come out of those companies um but the second more promising i guess overall infrastructure wise and you know there are obviously the macro markers indians are now consuming games india is now the largest mobile game download market similarly if you saw that in china that literally happened in 3 years so between 2004 and 2007 there were 600 million mobile phone users in china and chinese gamers were spending 7 7 1/2 hours per week playing games payment infrastructure changed right prior to 2007 majority of uh, transactions in china were still handled in cash but by 2007 bank card usage was 21% of the market look at what's happening in india right now digital and electronic payments are 40% of the national transaction volume so payment infrastructure has changed monetization behavior is changing right in if you speak to the team at google etc you know india is now registering the fastest growth in new in app purchasing users in anywhere in the world it is the fastest growth growth rate so while these changes when you're in the middle of it it happen you know on a day to day basis you aren't seeing that incremental leap you aren't seeing indian companies come into top grossing titles but in 3 years 4 years hence i think the market will be a very very different place um and if you look at the capital now that's been infused in the last 18 months there's been a billion and a half infused just in the indian gaming ecosystem that's been way more than what's been infused in anywhere in the last 5 6 years and yes albeit it has gone to real money gaming but now you know as an early stage fund we're seeing people come out of these rmg studios saying we oh we we want to build actually different kind of games but now there's capital to build those kind of games like we want to go and experiment on casual games we want to build mid core games we want to build um uh, other genres we're looking to build the games platforms 
all of that, you know, I guess unplugging of that ecosystem is now starting to happen. And we saw this, right? Finland emerged out of erstwhile Nokia. Vietnam gaming scene emerged out of Gameloft. I mean, in India, Zynga alumni is doing so, so well. We have, you know, Bombay Play as part of our company. So I think this is just a natural evolution. And in India at this point of time, adoption, monetization, infrastructure, and payments has converged in a way that I guess none of us have ever seen. Um, and which has made enabled, uh, you know, Nazara Games to go public, which has enabled more strategic in- interests. So it's, I think it's a, it's a really interesting. Right. So it kind of sounds like you guys are speaking a lot to resources, capital. I think Anish mentioned also having an identity. And it meant as one of the insurgents trying to, you know, get to the next level in this space, uh, what, what are some of your thoughts? So, yeah, I think uh, I'll just take a slightly different point of view from... Okay particularly the studio's point of view, I think what is missing is, I think we'd like to look at it from uh, some of all, all parts kind of a view. Uh, so I think whether it's deal making or relationships or, you know, concepts and marketing, tech, uh, relevant investors, I think uh, we've been trying to work on all fronts for, for multiple years and it has taken us this long to get to this point, right? And we've seen that difference between like a food truck chef to a SpongeBob, it's like leaps and leaps uh, apart from what we've done, right? Uh, and we see where the gaps are. So I think if one has to look at it, uh, I think studios have to uh, work on all fronts to really uh, get cracking at multiple. It's not like you know you you can produce a hit game today with the suboptimal quality, and you know the, the quality benchmark is just going up and up and uh, to compete in the global landscape, I think uh, uh, it's not just one thing that's going to uh, get it going. It's going to be uh, some of multiple paths. And I think uh, uh, the difference between a Turkey and in India is that, you know, uh, I think this predominant mindset that, you know, we can make everything in-house and this is, you know, we really need to, uh, or rather the outcome-driven, you know, scenarios, I think we need to start looking at things which are outcome driven. And that's when, you know, uh, I think finally at the end of the day, consumers who play the game, I think I think the game that w- will matter the most then, you know, rather than how you're trying to build the game, right? So I think that is like one of those missing pieces that I've been observing for quite a few years now. Right, and Amit, could you explain that a little bit more when you, when you say that there should be more focus on things being more outcome driven? What is an example of that? So I think uh, I think keeping the close, I mean, keeping the game very close to the audience, and in mm-hmm. terms of let the audience trying to dictate the kind of or the quality of the game that they would like to play, uh, and you know, so whatever it takes to get that quality of game out of the studio, I think that that is predominantly the focus, right? So for us as a studio. Uh, if we know that if we are not good at certain concept arts or you know we are not good at certain things, we would rather outsource that and you know get the best people working on it. And of course, the the the, the, uh, the cost of production is going to go up. But I think to be relevant in this market today, I think that's a given, uh, and one cannot escape that. So I think so so hence the outcome driven rather than you know trying to make everything in-house, right? So, and uh, I have seen or spoken to a few people who've been working on multiple things in India 
you know, what we think uh, we can build uh, versus what the consumers really anticipate that they would like to play, there is always a gap. And, you know, trying to identify that gap and, you know, f filling that gap is, I think, the most important, crucial bit. Got it. And sort of shifting the tone now to more of a positive outlook, because certainly there are good reasons for why more capital is flowing into India. And so when we th not only talk about what's missing from India, but then what are some of India's strengths? What are some of the advantages coming from India? And so when you guys think about some of the areas of strength and potentially maybe initial identity to Nuja's point, um, what do you guys think of when it comes to, to, to that to, to, to the, the, the strength part of, of India. And Manisha, maybe we can start with you again. So Joseph, I think uh, the beauty in India lies in its numbers and its demographic dividend. Mm -hmm. uh, young population in bulk in numbers, amazing uh, middle class, which is per capita income growing. Uh, gaming is a discretionary spend. Uh, and Discretionary spend really happens when the overall per capita income of a country really starts increasing. Uh, because then you're not kind of in the Maslow's hierarchy, you're not looking at Roti Kaplamakan, as I would say. And you're trying to elevate your spends to more other discretionary spends. And that's where India is in that cusp. As we are looking at next decade, we are looking at this younger population getting adding more per capita income to their wallets with a propensity to spend and willingness to spend on alternate means of entertainment. And gaming is the best form of entertainment we all know, and, and that's very, very well articulated and stated. So I think that's one big positive for India, which anyone sitting anywhere in the world cannot ignore, uh, such large market. Uh, second is the stability and lack of whimsical nature of policy making. Uh, you are always worried about opacity in world's largest market. Uh, while it's a $30 billion market, China, but it's always uh, overnight things can change. And we have seen in last 30 days, 45 days, uh, even the mightiest of the tech companies in the world could not handle uh, the local ecosystem. And, and, and there has been a full meltdown. Uh, that kind of you know political instability or policy instability uh, both of them you don't see in India. Uh, so that's the second advantage which you will really have if you were to really look at from an India point of view. And the third piece is because of the size and volume of people, you get such large addressable cohorts. Like what Anut says, identity, I don't think India will have its any identity ever because we will have 900 million gamers. Yeah. Out of that, there'll be a full Europe sitting for a hyper-casual you will have a full U.S. sitting in mid-core, hard-core. You will have a largest market of esports. So I, I think the cohorts of different segments, and depending upon what you want to really kind of attack, you will be able to do that at scale of both volume and value. I think those all these three factors really make this market very fascinating. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I 100% echo with what Manish is saying. I mean, if you look at uh, traditional mass media and mass entertainment evolution in India, you'll see a market which transitions from global imports to you'll have a healthy balance of 
global content and you'll have locally res resonant content and with local content which represents the true mass market and this is this is bound to happen we would have various genres in the ecosystem and that's going to be just the appetite um of of the indian market is is very deep and there's also a lot of breadth and this is a market which can essentially support that um i i think another uh, is just the hunger and the entrepreneurial uh desire for india's founders and just the the sheer ambition right like it's a, it's a competitive culture that you've grown up in and uh, at the sniff of a mere opportunity you you will see talent flooding into the ecosystem and we're seeing this right in the last 10 months 11 months we've seen 700 uh, early stage gaming deals who would have thought that is even possible before you know we we entered into the market but clearly there is just this mass rush of uh, founders who are coming in who are far more ambitious who are bolder and who are ready to make those bets and and who have a growth focus as well who are now ready to say well you know now there's capital there's this infrastructure we have access to the world's best the world is condensing with remote working you can hire from anywhere you have the ability to raise larger capital because of higher risk appetite so you have now these founders who are coming into this space with very larger larger visions and i think that's that's also an incredibly large, big asset for the market okay new germit yeah yep. i think uh, i'm going go ahead amit yeah i think uh, yeah i think i resonate with this i think predominantly i think there is a good amount of talent which is coming in from a lot of peripheral industries in india i think uh, and and i think whether it is edtech or you know whether it is overall startup scene in india it's it's been booming for quite some time and uh, so given that there is this you know risk taking ability in general right i think uh, we've been seeing that quite a bit and people who are generally entrepreneurial in their mindset uh, joining the bandwagon kind of helps because uh, india was forever known for its services background right so we as a country were known for you know the infosys or the wipro or you know all of that so from there to get into the product mindset was itself a big change and uh, with the product mindset becoming a new norm uh, you know and plus you know the exposure to games and people playing games at large uh, there is that you know uh, inclination to you know work in an alternative industry i mean in india gaming is still considered as a you know uh, uh, an alternative industry which is not very well known so i think when we talk to colleges or youngsters in general i think uh, there is that you know uh, we we see that you know people are very well informed and you know they are quite relevant as far as the industry is concerned and they are willing to kind of uh, you know uh, take the plunge so i think that that has been a, a massive shift uh, yeah anuj yeah so i think uh, uh, building on all those uh, points uh, the co panelists made i think the most important uh, factor is the 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 youth of this country who's now playing games in the last 2 to 3 years i'm very excited when they ex enter the workforce and the kind of games they want to make that is going to be uh, the, the standards of game they have been playing on the last 2 to 3 years have been you know battlegrounds free fire the the, the call of duty mobile uh, 
the clash generation all of these guys now when they come into the workforce and they want to try and build a gaming company uh that's the benchmark that they have set and that's why i i that's the most optimistic thing for me that will uh you know build this uh market because it's built by game developers i mean let's me very honest uh, the gaming companies the gaming ecosystem is built by game developers right. and the lack of them uh, no matter how much we diversify into real money platforms infrastructure the core of any gaming business or any ecosystem the base is always gaming studios and game developers and and if we sort of that is the focal point that is where we uh, the ecosystem sort of needs to focus that is where you know we all need to rally behind uh, because if you have plenty of game developers and game studios all the other peripheral problems will solve we are all already uh, as an ecosystem hedged to solve those problem uh, that is the pain point of the market and i, I believe 2 to 3 years down the line that will get solved at a large scale okay And so we've got about 15 minutes left in this panel. I thought I would ask you guys one last question and then we'll open it up for any questions from the audience and there there are a few that are that have been coming in. So, but my last question would be uh, in terms of in terms of like when thinking about potential ways of accelerating the market. For example, there's notion of like tribes and like different industry groups in the west and things of that nature. um what are things that you think that india can do to help accelerate the, the maturation of the market and then if you guys have uh one or two names of companies that we should be watching out for i'd love to hear some names of, of course obviously besides you know nazara and and nukebox what you guys think um any thoughts on that and uh i think aloni you go ahead you you track the ecosystem much more than anybody else <laughs> sure um so i i think just to answer the uh i guess the you know the way forward for for the market and you know what the industry can do um i think uh having looked at some of the developed countries markets in fact you know coming from the uk or even china for example from from a policy perspective there's a lot that regulations and policy could do for example in in the uk there was the video games tax relief which was hugely beneficial for game development studios who could basically claim their uh development costs as research in r&d and could claim it back from the government and they were you know th- this was a very sustainable way of actually powering your your development and though and also setting up center of excellences uh for for the game development uh industry or also looking at let's say game development courses being imparted as part of education and we've seen china do that and i think that from a policy regulatory perspective is something that as a fund we work with policymakers we work with regulators and plant these thoughts and ideas and saying these are best practices which we've seen from other markets um in fact uh, in the ministry of education has announced uh, with iit bombay to set up a game development institute where courses on game development will be offered and you know again these are very interesting and um interesting measures from a regulatory perspective that could help accelerate the industry uh, tax reliefs uh investment credits and all of these again you know game de- game development is very niche but if you look at the market and it's growing at a 35% cagr year on year it's just going to become larger and larger and so if you have forward thinking uh, uh bureaucrats and forward thinking uh, uh politicians and we are seeing early signs of that especially with the inb uh, uh information and broadcasting ministry they they are starting to think along these lines and i think that's very encouraging for accelerating just the momentum 
Um, in terms of, uh, I guess, exciting game development studios that we've come across, look, we're a little biased. We have three three content studios, one of which we're going to be announcing uh, soon next week. Uh, but again, you know, we think Bombay Play is doing some excellent work. It's again Zynga team, uh, of former founders of Moonfrog, uh, building hyper-social multiplayer casual games, uh, building on instant games, and then cross cross uh, building cross-platform games. Uh, they're just they're do- doing incredibly well. We invested in them eight months back, and they're on a really really solid trajectory. We obviously have another studio called All Star Games, building mid-core cricket uh, solutions. Um, we have another deal which we're going to be announcing soon. Uh, that's going to be coming out next week, so you'll have to watch out for that. But again, it's a mid-core content studio. Um, yes, super excited about the potential for that. Uh, outside, I guess, of the Lumikai portfolio, I think we really respect uh, what some of the other developers like Gameberry, etc., are doing in the market. Um, you know, they're they're making uh, interesting work. We're also seeing like young indie developers. Uh, who are really differentiating themselves in the type of content that they're building and both for the global market, whether it's PC or Steam games. Uh, there, are, there, are, there are a bunch of these uh, studios that we really like tracking and you know, stay in close touch with. Just to kind of share with Joseph, uh, the industry is uh, working... So in, there are three bodies which really kind of evangelize with policymakers at center and state. Uh, Internet Association of Mobile, uh, Indian Association of Mobile and Internet, IMAI, FICI, and CII. Uh, so I'm working with all, all three of them to really create a cohesive which can cut across freemium, real money, skill-based real money gaming, uh, skilling, capital, taxation. I think the key thought process, there are four or five pillars on that and we are working on it. But the key thing is here, how do we really create more and more talent pool, uh, which could be done through making India a very exciting hub for the global companies to set up their bases? Because I think the best learning can happen on the job. And as Amit was talking about, I think Saloni was talking about, is the Zynga Mafia. They've all come out with doing on-the-job training and, and learning some of the best product and design skills while really improving the retention and monetization of those games. So how do we make India a really exciting place for the global companies to set up their bases? And like Anuj is now working with Crafton, how can this become a big Crafton development center here in India and really have, let's say, a a battleground entire team being set up in India for doing that? That will really spur huge amount of ecosystem development, right? Zynga, EA, Ubisoft, all of them have really contributed in a meaningful manner in the last decade in adding to the talent pool in this country. So I think that's one key thing which we need to really, as industry also, we can evangelize the quality of talent, which we are seeing every day uh, to give more and more comfort to our global peers and friends that, hey, listen, come India and set up your shop. While government will do many things, uh, giving that comfort of, uh, of a stability, of great talent, uh, of professionalism, uh, it's not a, a land which is still red in of snakes and cows. Uh, is what something we can all do to really influence more and more people to come here. I think if that's one thing industry can really do, rest of the things, as industry bodies and groups, we are all coming together to really help in in defining of policies on many other aspects. Um, Anuj, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Saloni and Manish have covered uh, 
everything uh, related to policy. I, I, just, I thought Anuj is going to announce. I thought Anuj is going to announce a big R and D center right away. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I would like to make a comment. I, I mean, Amit would agree with me. Anyone who has built a studio in India uh, knows the fact that you know one of the biggest challenges you face is is uh, the talent. And I think Joe, you must be also sort of uh, with Leela. It's it's like running a gaming finishing school, uh, uh, sort of when you're building a studio. Like it's it's six months of training. Of the fresh talent, and 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 then you start actually uh, working on a business. So I think uh, all the policies aside, we need uh, you know talent uh, uh, creation, which is the most important aspect of 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 the ecosystem. A need uh, because with all the capital in the world, uh, you can solve for a lot of uh, things, but uh, building out talent will be a slow process. Uh, and and that is uh, that might lead to you know the slow growth uh, or or anything that is you know that can slow this down momentum that we have behind this uh, this industry. So that is, in my opinion, the number one challenge. Amit. Yeah, I think uh, like you said, it's a finishing school. I think we've been losing a lot of talent to the West. I think uh, we've you know we've seen that in and out. And uh, I, I think I think we've stopped relying on. Uh, you know, uh, highly experienced individuals and, you know, or rather people with great backgrounds because we know that's a very short-term endeavor. Uh, but Amit, uh, Amit, that's not, you have not relied, that's a necessity now. Well, we've been doing that for quite some time. And it's also, yeah. I think, given the scenario, I think we, we, we realize that, you know, uh, it has to have a steady pipeline of uh, talent coming in and we have a uh, specific, uh, you know, six-month induction going on for people in different streams. So, and that's the way we're thinking of building talent. And uh, and I think I think if you just look at the industry as a whole, right? I think uh, whether it is uh, Zynga or uh, uh, Ubisoft or any other uh, global entity having you know setups in India, uh, I think th there is a very limited pool of uh, gaming experience talent pool which is circulating all across right so it's mm -hmm. it's not like and and there are very few who are hiring fresh out of uh, uh, school so i think unless we go down to the grassroots and identify talent and groom them uh, that pipeline is never going to get established uh, so yeah that's i think a lot of work needs to be done there and i think uh, Cost as an advantage of operating from India is not going to sustain for long. I think cost is catching up. Uh, I think running a studio, I think, Joe, Joe, you would agree that running a studio in the US versus in India, I think uh, th there is a huge difference in cost. But I think eventually that cost will catch up. Uh, yeah. Just one question. Is it a Bangalore phenomenon or is it an India mm. phenomenon? Well... I think Bangalore more so. I think uh, I can't speak for the rest of India, but uh, I think at least in Bangalore, we've seen that, you know, it's, it's been like uh, a very aggressive market. And, you know, yeah. especially since Zynga is here and plus, you know, there are so many other studios out here. So yeah. it, it's very easy to kind of uh, jump ship. Right. 
Yeah, but I, I think also like, like you know, we're seeing other hubs emerge like Hyderabad, Pune. Uh, we're seeing now some of these other hubs emerge uh, out of smaller cities, which are now building studios and you know with a with a lower cost base. But I but I do agree. I think uh, cost is now cost is no longer going to be this factor of uh, driving uh, an arbitrage bit of uh, between global and India. I think that's going to change. But this comes back to the fact that that culture of game development studios and building with highly retentive teams uh, becomes very, very important. I think that has been undermined and underestimated. Um, and in, in general, you know, when companies are looking at culture, etc., we find these thoughts a little bit, I guess, not as paid attention to. Uh, this is why we set up a panel of leadership development coaches who can work alongside our, our portfolio founders to start thinking about, you know, how do you build highly retentive team cultures and it's not about giving free food or bikes or you know dubai vacations uh, it's actually about really entrenching loyalty uh, and building those teams which are high performance high caliber and you know there's much more to it than just just monetary values and you have to think about that and you know we've seen examples of this in in global uh, company bossa or space ape or you know some of these other studios which have managed to build highly retentive teams and cultures in in markets which are uh, incredibly competitive um, I think that same kind of mindset and ethos has to come here. So I think another point which I sorry, uh, which I should touch upon is that either COVID accelerated the attrition for most companies. Yes. I think there has been like thirty to forty percent attrition across the board. Mm. Uh, I think predominantly it's everyone is working from home. Uh, there is that sense of attachment to a studio, or the sense of working together with people is gone out of the window. So uh, I think that has one of those big roles to play especially in the last year or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe one other point is that I think what happened with a lot of teams is because of COVID, they started looking for more remote workers, which then led them to cost, which then led them to like try to hire engineering in particular from, from India. So, you know, I, I've spoken to a number of engineers. It's like, well, I'm going to be going to Finland. I'm going to Germany. I'm going <laughs> I, I would like to work for your company, but I'm going, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all... Yeah. They're all jumping or or they're just taking jobs with folks. And in, in, in addition, I do think that, you know, certain companies, uh, Glue in particular, you know, with the after the acquisition with from EA, they've been shifting a lot of their workforce specifically yeah. in Bangalore. So, uh, uh, by the way, so for our audience, I, there's a ton of questions coming in. Sorry, we won't be able to hit all of them, but maybe we could hit one really quick before the next session. Uh, let's have a, maybe this one. From Datsal Chintalapati, would you say that most folks who are looking at building games currently look at it more as a business, which leads to the situation of what might work rather than what we are passionate about? So, can I know for it. Anuj, Anuj and Amit, that's your favorite question. Yeah, I think um, there is a lot of uh, uh, passion which is required for game development, surely. Uh, and uh, the, the the passion when you start building a studio at the first one or two years when you have uh, savings uh, that you put in that's uh, that's how passion rules your mind and then as soon as the semblance of a pnl starts to come in it's the uh, the business prudence sets in and then when you realize that you know passion is needed but might not give you that uh, studio strength. I think there's a balance needed for both. You need passion for game development, uh, definitely, especially when you're trying to build a culture 
you need a team that unites behind that vision, uh, the game that you're trying to build. But uh, business prudence is what is missing in a lot of uh, young independent developers. Uh, and and uh, that's 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 needed, uh, sort of mentorship is needed to, you know, go through from, it, it's not the suits versus the, uh, the Bermuda, as in a, in a lot of sense, it has to be both. That's my sort of take uh, of going through both sides of the, uh, you know, table. Yeah, I think passion does not pay salaries, right? So I think, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's it's a choice that you make between being an artist versus a craftsman. So I think being a craftsman, it's a combination of the art and the science and the commerce of it. Uh, I think we've spoken enough about it but i think we all start passionately about the industry but i think when the reality hits you realize that you know uh, finally the games that you're building have to make money so that you can sustain them so and if one starts to think about it as and and that's how the 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 f2p market has been defined as right you're giving away games for free and then trying to realize how to make money out of it so and that's not going to be easy so uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, it, 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 it's a combination of, or rather the craftsman mentality that, you know, is essential rather than just looking at it from a pure passion play. Okay. So we've got about one minute left. So I wanted to thank all of the speakers. Thank you so much for your time. But maybe if you have one last message you'd like to relay or how people might be able to get in touch with you, maybe you... you um, we can start with Manish, if you have uh, that final message from you. I think just hit me for anything which you really need. As Nazan said, love to be a big, big propagator of Indian developer ecosystem. Want to see Indian IPs ruling the roost in India and globally. And mm -hmm. hit me on it for anything you need. Uh, Manish at Nazara.com. Okay, and then maybe uh, Amit? Yeah, so uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, so, so we are happy to talk to anyone who's interested in going down the game development journey. And uh, at least we can share our experiences and, you know, the do's and don'ts. And, you know, uh, happy to help anyone who wants to uh, seek any sort of help. Uh, I'm available at Amit at nukeboxstudios.com. Salani? Yep. Um, so I think my my closing words are just you know be bold, and uh, you know this is this is the next ten years for the Indian gaming market are incredibly exciting. So if you're thinking about building a game studio or you're thinking about uh, how to approach uh, just the gaming market, you know reach out to us at Lumikai. We have a Lumikai Spark program which runs for founders who are looking to enter into the industry and who are just wanting to just brainstorm with us. Uh, there's that avenue. If not, you know, I'm at saloni at lumikai.com. We also have hello at lumikai.com and we're very, very responsive. So just reach out to us. All right. And Anuj? Yeah. Super exciting times to be in the gaming industry in India. Finally, we are seeing whatever me and Manish have been talking about for the last five years coming to a reality, uh, selling India at all conferences. Uh, <laughs> I mean, finally, things are becoming uh, real. Uh, Hit me up. <laughs> so hit 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 me up on LinkedIn or or on Twitter. I am at Anuj underscore Tandon. Uh, apart from BGMI, 
uh, stuff, you can reach out to me. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Anuj's Twitter post. They're largely like <laughs> customer support <laughs> complaints. It's really hilarious. All right. Well, thank you very much. And we will go ahead and start the next panel. Thanks very much, speakers. Thanks. Thanks, Ashok. Lovely. Bye.